All right, so you can go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 today. And so we're going to look at a few different stories of uh, people that Paul and Silas encounter. All right, there's going to be three different people that we talk about today. And as we are doing this, I want you guys to kind of put yourself in the text. All right, when we read the Bible, we need, this is the story of God, right? And we are part of that story. Our names might not be in the book, but we are part of the story. And so we need to put ourselves in there and imagine that we are in these different scenarios, all right? So today, I want you to think about your story. What's your past like? What's the, some of the trials that you have faced? What's the story of how you came to faith? Kind of think of your testimony today. And maybe you're in here today and you're still searching. Maybe you haven't found Jesus today right? And so maybe you're going through trials right now, and you have messes and junk in your life. I want you to be thinking about that as we read in Acts chapter 16 today. So we're going to be reading about the story of Lydia, all right? That's the first person that we're going to talk about. So Paul and the disciples, they are now on their second missionary journey, all right? They've been traveling around. The gospel is spreading. Lives are being transformed, right? The church is growing, and now they have traveled to the city of Philippi. And so we are going to start in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a, a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So we have this woman named Lydia, right? What do we know about her and why is she important? We know that Lydia is a wealthy woman, all right? She's a wealthy businesswoman who's in the trade business, all right? It says that she deals in purple cloth, if you were thinking about it today, this would be like a businesswoman who works for like Ralph Lauren or Prada or Gucci. And don't ask me how I know what those companies are, right? But that, to put it in today's terms, she's doing really well in the business world. It says she's originally from Thyatira, and now she's staying in the city of Philippi. Okay, these are two major cities uh, during this time. Major cities for commerce, for business, all right? So this would be like a businesswoman working for Ralph Lauren, traveling between like New York City and London, right? Really, she's well-traveled, she's wealthy, and she's really good at what she does. We know that she goes to church, all right? She's there, she's observing the Sabbath. She's going to a Jewish Bible study, right? We also know that she does not yet know Christ, she does not yet know Christ. So she's doing her thing. She's going to church. Everything looks fine, but she does not know Jesus. So Paul and his crew, they kind of go there, and he begins to preach. The gospel is preached, and it, the Bible says her heart was open, and she was quick to respond when God spoke to her. This is a woman who seems like she has it all together, right? She's doing well in business. She's well-traveled. She's moral, right? She's going to church. She's attending a Bible study. But this is a really dangerous place to be because everything looks great on the outside, right? But on the inside, there was something missing. On the inside, she didn't know Christ. She was lacking. And God came into this mess that looked clean, right? It looked perfect, but it was a mess on the inside. And he came in and he transformed her heart. And so maybe you're in here today and maybe this is your story. You know, you grew up in church. You were a moral person, right? 
you go to Bible studies, you do, you do all the right things, and you, know, you believed in God, but you never really had a relationship with God. That's a, you know, you were a church person. That's a dangerous place to be. But then, God came into your life, and he showed you what you were lacking. And church, instead of just being a hobby, just being something that you did, Jesus became your life. You know, instead of just being a, a fan of Jesus, you became a follower of Jesus, and he transformed your life. You went from being church folk to all in for Jesus. And maybe this is your story, but you're still in that first part. Everything looks great. You're going to church. You're doing all the right things. You're a good person. But on the inside, you don't know Jesus, and it's tearing you up. And my prayer for you today would be that God would come in and show you what you're lacking. That God would come in and show you that it's not about looking perfect and, and looking you know, great. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. That's all that matters. You know, you're going to church and you're doing all this, but you're not all in for Jesus. I pray that you would open your heart and that you would seek God. And if you do that, I believe that he will reveal himself to you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There has to come a point in your life where you say, God, I don't know you, but I want to know you, and I want you to change my life. And the Bible says that if you do that, he will come into your life, and he will change your life. That doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. No, as Christians, we're going to face trials, but you'll have purpose, and you'll have vision, you'll have direction in your life if you accept him into your heart. So we have Lydia, right? Paul preaches, and her whole family and her are saved and baptized. I mean, crazy. A little side note here. It seems like wherever Paul goes, people are saved. People's lives are transformed. The way he does ministry is just flawless, right? He has amazing spiritual gifts. And then there are people like Meek, who are sometimes just really awkward, all right? And my youth students can attest to that. Because Paul comes in, and he like, you know, he, people are saved through him, people are healed through him by the power of the Holy Spirit. For me, I do stuff like I bring a pan of brownies to youth group and I tell them that I put my daughter's poop in it. And then I use that as a sermon illustration. Or, or like we did a series on sex and I did this whole thing where I compared sex to a pineapple. They never forgot that sermon. So, right? so I do weird stuff like that. And then there's also this weird voice that I do, and you guys know, right, to like mock people, and it's always the same voice, but the youth students think it's hilarious. So a quick story. We're in Panama, all right, and we're in the hotel. We're about to go down to do some ministry stuff. I'm walking with a few of the students, and I, you know, two of them are in front, and I think that Zeb, one of our students, is behind us, right? So we're walking, we get to the elevator, and we go in, and so I'm facing this way. The doors are behind me, and I think Zeb's behind me, and the elevator's full, so he goes, oh, I'll take the next one. And I go, oh, I'll take the next one. <laughs> and then the doors close, okay? It's me and two youth students and this random lady. And I was like, that was Zeb, right? And they were like, no. I was like, who was it? And this lady goes, that was my friend. Uh, that was an awkward ride down to the first floor, right? So that's, so that's me in ministry. I don't know, all that to say, I'm, I'm, I'm envious of Paul, but I do believe that <clears throat> I do have a spiritual gift of goofiness, all right? And that helps me relate to my students, all right? I, I do truly believe that. But anyways, it's just 
Paul has the Holy Spirit flowing through him, and it's just incredible. All right, so that's Lydia. That's the first person. The second person that they encounter is completely different. All right, so we have Lydia, who's a churchgoer, right? Everything looks great. On the outside, she's a moral person. And now we have this next person, all right? So they continue, Paul and his Silas and all the disciples, they continue on their, on their journey, and this girl starts to follow them, all right? And we'll see what happens here. We'll start in verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High who are telling you the way to be saved. This kept up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So what we have here is this. A girl who is a slave, right? She is owned by someone else. And she has a demonic spirit in her, right? So she's a demonic slave girl. And she's following Paul and the disciples. And she's mocking them, right? And kind of teasing them and and making fun of the gospel. And the Bible says that Paul gets annoyed. All right, this is what I love about the Bible. Because we can relate to that, right? We can relate to being annoyed. You know, think of like a mosquito here in Minnesota just bugging you, right? It's annoying. So he turns around and he casts out the demon in the name of Jesus. And so maybe you're in here today and maybe your story is more like this slave girl than like Lydia. And you're thinking, who in here is a demonic slave girl? Like, no, that's not what I mean, okay? The heart of your story would be something like this, right? That something came into your life and took over. Something that was not Jesus consumed your life. Right? Whether it was addiction, drugs, alcohol, pornography, sexual sin, depression, something came in and took control. One of my favorite pastors, Matt Chandler, says it like this. Either by your own doing or by the, or by the doing of someone else, you had given yourself over to a life that was full of evil and wickedness. And that life is filled with shame, and that life is filled with guilt and you feel like trash. And maybe you're in here today and that was your story. You didn't feel worthy. But then Jesus. Jesus came in. And you were introduced to the gospel. And he showed you that you had a purpose. And that you didn't need to be ashamed. And that you were his child. So we have two completely different people. Their stories are completely different. Lydia, church-going woman, Slave girl, where something is coming in and is controlling her life. The last person we're going to talk about is a jailer, okay? Someone who's guarding a jail. So they leave, they cast out um, the demon from this slave girl, right? And she's set free. But the slave owners are now upset because now they can't make money off her because she can't fortune tell. How sad is that? This girl is set free in Jesus' name, and they're only worried about their economic loss. Crazy, right? And so Paul and Silas, they end up getting thrown in prison for causing an uproar, right? For interrupting this 
slave owner's business. So a jailer is ordered to guard them. And we'll pick up the story here in verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Because I guess that's what you do when you're a Christian in prison. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So we have Paul and Silas in jail, right? And Jesus likes to do crazy things to get his boys out of jail, right? They get in prison and an earthquake comes and they're all set free, right? That's just how Jesus does things. And so this jailer is going to be held responsible, right? Because he was given this task to watch these prisoners and not let them get out. And so he's ready to kill himself. But Paul's a witness to him. Paul steps in, shares the gospel with him, and the jailer gets saved. Now, there's different interpretations for what this jailer represents, right? And all of them are great, you know, how we can relate to him. For me, the jailer represents someone who's living in fear. And so maybe you're in here today, and you're like, you know, I don't really resonate with Lydia or with the slave girl, but I know what it's like to live in fear. You see, this jailer was living in fear. He was a, a lot of times in those days, Roman soldiers were ones who would end up being jailers, okay? They were guys who were decorated officers who did uh, a good work for their country, and this was kind of their gift as retirement was to guard these jails. And so this guy had seen what Rome can do. He'd seen the power that they have, right? And he'd probably partaken in some of the horrible things, the floggings and the beatings and the crucifixions. See, Rome used to line the streets with people being crucified, leading to the entrance of the city. So that way, anyone coming into the city would see that if you're going to come up against Rome, this is what's going to happen to you, right? So they just, a lot of fear and power. And so he knew all this. So he was afraid of what would happen. So he had no hope left, and he was ready to just end it. So maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to living in fear. You know, the fear of not being successful. The fear of not being able to provide for your family. The fear of just not being good enough. Maybe the fear of death or a loved one dying. But something in your life was so terrifying that it had become ultimate to you. It was all you could think about. It was all that you could focus on. But then Jesus came in and gave you hope. And you saw that, yeah, there's maybe some things in life that I'm still going to be afraid of, but I don't have to fear because I have Jesus by my side. And I have a vision, I have a plan for my life. And when I face trials, God is going to be right there next to me to show me what to do. 
And so maybe you're in here today and you're saying, well, I don't really line up with any of those stories. The point is this, you have a story. You have a past, right? And the great thing about Acts 16 is this. Maybe this is still your story, one of these things, right? We have these three people. We line them up next to each other. Lydia, smart, moral, wealthy. She's church folk, right? You have the slave girl who's abused, taken advantage of, feels shame and guilt. And you have this jailer who's living in fear, right? And he's ready to kill himself. They're all completely different, but they have one thing in common. They're all lacking Christ, They're all lacking Jesus. And then God comes in to all these different messes and the junk that they have in their life, and he changes their hearts, and he transforms their lives. A lot of times we think that we need to come in or we need to clean ourselves up before we come to know Jesus, right? That we got to get rid of all the things in our life and all the junk in our life. Well, if that's the case, then none of us will ever come to know Jesus because we all have junk, and that's never going to end. God wants you to come to him now. And he's the one who's going to change you from the inside out. You cannot do it. You do not have the strength. That's why Jesus died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. When you accept Jesus, your past, the junk in your life, does not define you. You are a new creation, and Jesus defines you. Your identity is in Jesus. So maybe you're living a life of shame, a life of abuse. You feel like trash. You feel depressed. You have gone so far down into the muck and the mire that you don't think you can ever get out. But guess what? Jesus is waiting there with his hand outstretched. And all you have to do is reach up and he will pull you out of the muck and the mire. And he will save you. No one is too far. No past, no addiction, no disease can keep you from the transforming love of Jesus Christ. I don't care who you are, where you are from, what color you are, or whether or not you can quote scripture, Jesus is for you, and he wants you to come home. Jesus is for you. You are his child, and he's waiting for you to come home. You are a part of his kingdom. And when you accept him into your life, you become royalty You are no longer the addicted. You are no longer the abused. You are royalty. You're a child of God, and you will be in his presence for eternity. God will show you your worth. He'll show you your value. He'll show you your calling, but you have to take the step and accept him into your life. When I read Acts chapter 16, I like to look at it at two different angles. First thing is kind of what we've been talking about that we all have a story, right? We all have a story. We all have a mess, a past. And then God came in, and he transformed our lives. That's our testimony, right? But then the second thing is this. Once we come to know Jesus, as we walk through our life with him, we're going to encounter others who have a story and who have junk and who have messes in their life. And we're called to do what Paul does. We're called to point them to Jesus, 
Too often as Christians, we try to fix people's problems. We try to clean people up. That's not our job. Our job is to point them to Christ. And then he and the Holy Spirit will do a work in them. We don't have the power to do that. We need to do a better job of letting Jesus come into their mess and transform their lives. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. As Christians, we should have enough love flowing through us that we can look past people's junk and people's addictions and we can show them love and we can point them to Jesus because that's their only hope. Their hope can't be in us trying to fix their problem or telling them what's wrong with them. Their hope has to be in Jesus. We should remember that we all fall short, right? We all fall short and that without the grace of Jesus, none of us would be saved. If Christianity were a place for perfect people, there wouldn't be one member. That's why we need Jesus. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us, because we are not perfect. We are imperfect, and he is perfect, and he has covered us with his blood. We all have a story, right? We all have a past, and we all need Jesus. And so if you're in here today, and you don't know Jesus, my prayer for you is that you would keep seeking. My prayer for you is that you would accept, accept him into your life, and it will be the best decision that you ever made as he will change your life. It doesn't mean your life is gonna be easy. As Christians, we will face trials. We will, the Bible says that. But you will have a plan for your life. You will have an identity. You will know who you are in Jesus. You have a calling on your life, and nothing can stop that. The gospel will move forward through you. And if you're in here today and you know Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to love others. You need to realize that we all have stuff in our lives. We all have sin in our lives. And that's what I love about this church is because we have so many different people in here. Everyone from an ex-con to someone who's been in church their whole life, who came out of the womb and their first word was Jesus, right? That's what I love because that is, that is the church, right? people from all different kinds of backgrounds with one common theme, and that's that we love Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. We thank you for showing us how to live. We thank you that you are our Father and that you are here for us, God. I just pray that your Holy Spirit spoke today, God, and I pray that people's lives will be changed through your power. God, I pray that we would do a better job of opening our arms to those who are outside the church, God, and that we would do a better job of showing people love and pointing them to you. God, I just pray for this church. We're just so thankful for all the people here. I ask you to bless them, God, and help them to continue to grow in their faith, God. God, I pray if there are people in here who do not know you, that today they will leave and that will be changed and that they will now know you and their lives will be changed forever. We thank you so much for all that you do for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.